<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we tap experts on topics that matter most to the modern working woman, whether you are running the show or working your side hustle. We're bringing in leading female entrepreneurs to share their stories with you. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Work Party, the podcast. I am Jacqueline Johnson, your host, and today we are talking about resiliency. Resiliency is defined as the power or ability to return to your original form after being bent, compressed, or broken, or the ability to recover readily from adversity. Basically, being able to bounce back after a real shitty situation. One of the work party commandments is resiliency required. Why? Because being an entrepreneur being a businesswoman and being the boss is hard AF and it never gets easier. In other words, when things fall apart around you, it falls on you. This is one of the many costs of being the boss. But here's the thing. Resiliency is like a muscle. The more you work, the stronger you get. And you get better with time. And being an entrepreneur means having the highest highs and the lowest lows, and oftentimes, those will happen within the same hour. Building a business is a risk, but remember, big risk, big reward. And look, life right now is complicated and feels overwhelming for bosses and non-bosses alike. The world is more and more connected and more accessible, which means we're getting 24-hour access to people's lives, and oftentimes, they are the highlight reels. It feels like everyone is living their hashtag best life and making tons of money and have tons of friends and has tons of time to go work out, go on vacation, oh, and crush it at work as well. But I'm here to tell you, at least for me, that is not the case. Work is hard. Maintaining friendships while running a company is even harder. Keeping your relationships happy and healthy, even more hard. Finding the illusory work-life balance feels literally impossible. And look, this is a choice I make to tackle hard decisions, deal with haters, and put myself and my company out there. Vulnerability and resiliency often go hand in hand. We have no roadmap, no overarching success guide. We're all just out here doing the best we can. Sometimes we get rejected, we lose, we fail, we get negative feedback from people that matter to us and occasionally complete strangers. 
And a lot of things are totally out of our control. And all we can do is work hard, play hard, and let the universe take it from there. So when it comes to resiliency, I am bringing in one of the baddest bitches I know, Katie Serino, founder of 12 Style, a site created to inspire plus-size ladies in a size 2 world, and Megabay, the solution to thigh chafe, boob sweat, and funky pits. Let's welcome Katie to the show. Katie, welcome. Today we're talking about resiliency and how it is basically a requirement just to be a woman these days. And knowing you now for many years, you are one of the most confident women I've ever met and you don't give a fuck in the best way possible. (laughs) Um, So literally, I'm so excited to chat and kind of, you know, get our listeners familiar with what you're doing. And but first, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, who you are, what 12 or style is, how that started, and then tell us a little bit about Mega Babe. Perfect. Um, Hi, I am so excited to be talking to you because you have kind of been there from the very start when I launched um, my dog Toast Instagram um, for, yeah, Toast Meets World, RIP, but you had us on a panel in Chicago and it, it was life changing for me. Um, also to be me. In a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be in a room full of women. So, so inspiring. Um, I really, that, that moment for me was huge. So you've just kind of been along with me on my whole journey. Well, it, uh, it's been awesome because it was like, yes, it was toast at first. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to like double down and do this, do this 12-ish style thing. And then that literally exploded and took off like wildfire, which is so amazing. And then it was like, oh, hey, there's this massive hole in the market for products and I'm going to create this awesome brand. It's been so fun to watch and I'm so proud of you, but. Thanks, girl. Yeah. Thank but, you. So tell us about 12-ish style um, for those people that don't know. Yeah. So 12 style, I started because about three years ago, this is like pre Ashley Graham, um, breaking open the whole conversation. Um, there was, there were no plus size style bloggers. And I mean, maybe I, I actually, there were probably two, but we're talking about two in a sea of tall, thin women. So I, I wanted to see my body type and I wanted to pass along the hacks and the things that I had learned throughout the years um, for how to get dressed when you're a size 12 ish. So maybe a 12 to 16, 18 um, in that middle space that no one's really catering to. Uh, I wanted to, to share how to get dressed. And then it turned into something that I did not expect at all. It turned into a place where you could find body positivity and confidence. And I think Jacqueline, that is because my essence is, uh, is confident. And, and when you put yourself out on the internet, eventually your true personality and, and your, your, you know, who you really are, I think can start to shine through. And that I think is what happened. Yeah, no, totally. Like, I, I feel like you definitely didn't set out to be like this role model body positive person, but it's, no. it's actually who you are. You're just so funny. And so yourself. And I think, I think people relate so heavily to that where it doesn't feel so orchestrated um, or planned. Like y- you are just so on, you know, yourself in so many different ways. But to your point, you know, our Instagram feeds or, you know, whatever it is that you're tuning into are just a mishmash of perfection and like beautiful vacations and like no stretch marks. I mean, it's a lot. Um, (laughs) How can women stay positive when you're just seeing this like constant stream of like 100 going through your phone? (laughs) Uh, Well, 
I think the one of the easiest things to do is to curate your feed and notice your feelings and, and who's making you feel bad about yourself and unfollow them. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're someone who you really kind of love and have no reason to not like, if they're making you feel weird, unfollow them. Um, and start to put images in front of your face that are more inspiring and people who are inspiring um, rather than just like humble bragging all the time or showing you their their crazy cool life, people who are actually trying to do good in the world. And I think that's become more of a constant, honestly. Like I feel like now my feed has such a diverse amount of content in it, like from political right? to style to beauty to career. Like it's really nice. Like I feel like I'm constantly like screen grabbing stuff or saving Me it now. Me too. I think it's inspiring. And maybe do you think that that is because we are choosing to follow people who inspire us and that it still exists if you want to scroll through and just have everyone be like a basic bee and a bikini or is it yeah do you think that we're doing that I think it's also that I'm just like old and don't give a fuck anymore <laughs> like I just I just can't care it's so exhausting right. like I used to be like oh god she's at that party like I didn't get invited to the party or right. whatever it is like oh. so stupid and I used to care now I'm like cool I don't care like here's another picture of my dog um, <laughs> you know, like you can't, it, but I feel like that's like, t- you know, seven years ago, something not the case. I was obviously like freaking out all the time, but, but that's something I want to talk about. So self-confidence, you exude self-confidence and I, I want to get your opinion on if you feel like this is learned or earned and like, what tips do you have for women that might be struggling with their own sort of self-confidence? That's, that's kind of the thing. So like I said, that's kind of what my feed has turned into is how to tap into your yourself and letting go of some of the things that you that have globbed onto you over the years, like self doubt or beating yourself up about your body or not feeling good enough in your relationship. Um, I feel that I've, I've naturally a competent person, but throughout my life, I've definitely gone up and down Um, and I've, I've been at points in my life where I feel like I'm a real piece of garbage. And I think everyone, it's good to know that, that like, you don't just stay in a place where, especially I feel very whole right now. Um, but that's because I did a lot of work to get here. I started off with a confident base, but I did do a lot of work to make sure that it's not superficial and that it's not just coming from outside things and that I know who I am on the inside. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that, at least for me, was earned over time in terms of like going through hell and back and like kind of being being resilient, which is really what we're talking about. So how have you bounced back sort of after shit has hit the fan um, in your own life or career? Well, I I mean, especially in my own life, I I got a divorce about two years ago. Um, Yeah, two years ago. And at that moment, I had a real choice to make whether I had just started the 12 ish style. Things were like going pretty well with toast. Um, I was still working in PR at the time and I had a choice. Like I was, I could, I could have crumbled and I could have moved or left New York or doing any of the number of things that you do when your life is about to fall apart. And I started listening to Gabby Bernstein Mm -hmm. and I started, who's just so good at um, kind of showing you a path towards light. Oh, that's such an LA thing to say, (laughs) but, but it's true, right? It really is true because she helped guide me along with therapy um, 
towards choosing things that were not going to put me in further into a bad place. And so what is that? That means that I didn't obsess over what was going on. I didn't fight it. I accepted it. And I think accepting it was the fir- the best thing I could have done mm-hmm. because I didn't stress for the next year and a half and say, why, why, why me? Why me? I just said, this is happening. What are we going to do about it now? You're on your own, which was terrifying. Of course. Um, but that, but every, day by day, um, things, things got better. And I took that energy and I put it into mega babe, uh, which is my women's personal care line. So I, I, that really was a labor of love. And, um, it really came out of me not being able to sleep and waking up at five in the morning every day and turning towards making something that really inspired me and away from feeling like, the world was crashing around me. I think number one, when you're really in it, like you can't rely on other people. Like I'm all about no. self-helping yourself, like self-help yourself mm-hmm. all the way. Gabby Bernstein it, like mm-hmm. Brene Brown it, like do all the things. And um, I think that's so important. But two is energy redirection, which I something I did also. Mm-hmm. But I love that you kind of turned it into Mega Babe. So Mega Babe is crushing it um obviously it's growing super fast has like a very cult following um from the outsides it's like flawless but we all know running a business <laughs> is hard as fuck <laughs> so you had a waiting list of over ten thousand people like for products yeah. i mean that's insane talk a little bit about the products that make a big makes and why you think they're resonating i mean i think that is insane i the thigh, so we launched with thigh rescue, which is addressing a problem that I've had my entire life, which is thigh chafe mm-hmm. or chub rub or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was, I always felt that it was something that um, only I had or, or no one was talking about it. So I felt very isolated in the problem. And, and the solutions I were using were um, the solutions I was, I was using were very like male focused uh, product, like a, product line that you associate with like men's balls so I was just <laughs> I was like what looking for a better solution um Fair. and there really wasn't one out there right that that just for me for a girl who's just trying not to chafe while you're walking to lunch um and then I figured while I'm making a product let's make another product sweat I'm a I'm, I'm a sweaty mess mostly in the summer in New York so I made a bust dust um talc free for for like your boob sweat, which I end up using like in my underwear and my shoes and my hair, everything. It's just my full body powder. Um, and then I, I, I was like, okay, this worked. People like this. I can't believe it. What else can I make that I need? Um, well, I do not have a deodorant that I really love. And, um, the deodorants I have usually make me break out. So Mm. I made rosy pits and rosy pits, was really interesting because it was the first non quote unquote taboo because the two topics I just talked about previously are still taboo, right. which I think is so weird, but uh, that's why we're doing this. Um, and Rosie Pitts just like hit a nerve with people. Apparently I'm not the only one on a, on a journey for a good deodorant. Yeah. I mean, I love that every product you're creating is built out of a necessity for yourself. I think that's, kind of where the best ideas come from. I mean, even with like Create and Cultivate, like selfishly, I was like, I want to be around and meet other awesome entrepreneurial women, talk to each other, figure out what the hell everyone's doing. 
And similar to you, you were like, I'm experiencing this. I can't be the only person in the world. Turns out you're definitely not the only person in the world. There's like thousands and thousands of women who experience this and probably don't talk about it. Probably like go to go to CVS or whatever and look in the aisle and have to buy the balls product. (laughs) And are like, this sucks. Um, But yeah, I love that. I think that's so amazing. And I think like there has been this shift toward realness like I think people are really wanting to see this I mean I think people are coming forward now and not just saying like I mean even if you look at I mean this is kind of a drastic comparison but if you're looking at like the me too movement you're looking at the body positivity movement like people are like fuck it I'm over it I'm over just sitting here not being myself like I think you know we've seen been seeing a lot more realness come to to light are you positive and like hopeful for this change because I know at least for me I'm 33 like growing up I never magazines, you know, movies, TV shows, like everyone looked the same, like super tall, super skinny. And I literally thought something was wrong with me. But now I look around and there's like, there's a lot more. So are you hopeful for the change that's coming? I am hopeful. I'm hopeful. You know, I think so you and I are about the same age. And I think it's harder for I don't know if ladies in like our age bracket are going to be able to embrace this the way that Mm. someone who's currently 12 is going to embrace it. Does that make sense? Because I think like on the internet, I'm seeing so many amazing examples and I'm hopefully one of them for people and um, all the, and everyone's like getting like, kind of like fuck it and getting very um, vocal about what they don't like in the world. And I, I love that so, so, so much that it's okay to talk about things that you don't like, but it takes a long time to really get into the, being in the social media culture is one thing, but to really get into it. When I go and I, I speak with my friends that don't live in New York. Um, and we talk about bathing suits. We talk about body image. You talk about any of that. Uh, they're still pretty down on themselves Mm. and they're still pretty, I, they, they're so, it's still the same mentality of I'm not skinny this, or even if they are skinny, I'm not skinny enough. Like that, it's going to take a long time for people to really embrace that feeling. Yeah. I mean, like the damage is done in so many ways. It's kind of like, you can't unlearn what you've been taught for the past 25 years or whatever it is. Like when every image you've seen. Okay. So social media, obviously we're talking about a lot of the positive things that come with it and all the positivity that we've been seeing and, and, and forward moving change. But obviously when you put yourself out on the internet and you're like a public persona, along come haters and trolls. How, mm. Yeah, how do you deal with the sort of negativity that comes with being on the internet? I think I think what's interesting for me is that the the negativity for me doesn't necessarily come in like a consistent stream of a being called a fat whale. That is not consistent for me, but I see it on other like curvy lady accounts. Um, B, I'm not getting sexually harassed the way that other women are, 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 that are like in my position They're, I don't know, like some of the sports illustrated models or I don't even, I, 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 I'm friends with this girl who's a, what was it? WWE. She's a yeah. uh, MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And I read through her comments and it's just disgusting men saying horrible crap to her. And so I don't have to deal with that, which is, a, which is like 
nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah. And I, I do have to deal, I think the thing I get the most criticism from, which I find to be really interesting, um, is, is about the definition of what body positive is or body acceptance. So people have a lot of opinions, obviously. Um, but when I do things like get Botox or even like sniff around the topic of plastic surgery, people really, oh yeah, they're really, they have a lot of opinions about that. And they're like, you're not body positive. That's not what you're doing. And I'm like, no, no being, I'm, I'm saying to accept yourself, however you want to accept yourself. And if that means you want to be a a psycho and go to the gym 25 times a day and like have like a little tiny ripped body, like that's your choice. As long as you're happy. My, my point is that nothing you do physically is going to make you happy inside that has to come from inside. That's my whole point, which I hope is clear. But people really get confused around right. doing things for your appearance versus being positive about your self-acceptance. I don't know. Does that, no, does that, that make sense? That to totally you? makes sense. That totally makes sense. I think it's like uh, it's a very controversial topic. I think and, and to your point, there are women on the internet who are sports illustrated models and they're getting harassed and hated on in their own way and then there's body positive girls or or plus size women that are getting hated on in their own way and then as soon as it's just like you can't win either way a lot of times but you know I think that's right I mean I think again it's all relative and I think I'm in the same camp as you in the sense that I think you need to find out what makes you happy inside and then outside you can do your thing, you know, like whatever it is that you want. Like, you know, like you said, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to get Botox, like whatever, you know, to each his own, as long as it's like you're feeling good. Um, And I think that is what body body positivity is. But again, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on the internet and all of that good stuff. Um, So many. Yeah. So many. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like the, the sexual harassment thing is so interesting. Um, I don't know if you know Emily Sears. Do you, do you know her? Mm, Yeah. Yes. I met her. At Create and Cultivate. Oh, yes. Create and Cultivate, Jacqueline, of course. I mean, I, that was not like an, a plug at all. I kind of forgot that. But she's, <laughs> d- d- you know her story. It's amazing. But she's like a very um, sexy Sports Illustrated model. I don't know if she's Sports Illustrated, but she's a model. Um, but she, these guys would just send her dick pics and all the time unsolicited and she would basically do the research and find their girlfriends or wives and email them (laughs) and tell them I love that and like would call out these guys and I just thought that was so funny but her story is really interesting because again it's like she's like people women hate me men hate me or love me or women love me or hate me but I'm like it's one of those things where she's like I get harassed all the time um but yeah, I just think it's all like, let's just be kind Ugh. to each other and not send unsolicited dick pics. <laughs> like, let's no, just keep not... your dick pics to yourself. Also, she's so right. I I have like a 96% female following and I try to keep it that way. Yeah. But like whenever a, a stray man does end up on my page and like comes to me like a hello, beautiful girl. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I go to their and 90% of the time there's like a wife in the bio photo oh, God. and I'm like oh Block. god they're, yeah they're just gross so you recently posted the beginning of this hashtag make my size movement which I love yeah. and the response was super ph- phenomenal can you talk a little bit about what that movement is and why it was important to talk about 
It, you know, it really was spurred off of a net-a-porter order mm. um, that I got that I, I have been shopping there for a very long time. And I have gained weight over the past couple of years. Rewind back to the divorce part and you'll understand. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, I and that weight is still in my body. It may stay in my body. It may come off my body. Don't know yet. But um, the, the thing is, I have been I. I have been kind of edged out of a 12, 14 and I'm now in a 16 mm. and it was bleak at a 12, 14. It is a desert at a 16. So I'm, I'm in terms of things like, I don't know, contemporary or high end design. And I know there are some websites out there that have recently launched that are catering design pieces um, for plus size, but I, I want like a this now I'll really lose some people in the audience, but I am looking for something more like a $275 skirt and not a $1,275 skirt. A la like DVF. Like I, I'm just trying yeah. to fit into You're DVF. not trying to Proenza. You're trying to DVF. No. Like I got yes. it. <laughs> okay. Like everyone relax. So <laughs> the, the thing is that I, I really, I can't fit into these brands and I order the, extra large or the extra extra large mm. and it's like for a kid and it can't be me because I've I I sometimes have things I have people around me try things on I'm like is this insane and the sizing is crazy so I started to look around and I realized that like I'm again I'm not alone in this and so I'm I'm just being vocal because what do I have to lose those designers don't feel like they want to make clothes for me anyway so why not tell them that they are missing out on dollars and that they have an audience who wants to wear their clothing? Totally. No, I full agree. I every now and then I'll be like, today's the day I'm going to spend like, you know, $900 on a dress. Like I'm going to do it. And I'll like go and try to spend $900. And I hate everything. Like nothing fits. I mean, I'm really small and curvy, but like, like short wise, but I I always just end up at Zara. I hate to say it, you know, but I just, it's one of those things. It's a Julia Roberts, pretty woman moment when you're standing there. I got money to spend in here. But you got, but there is, there are no clothes for you. There that are is, no clothes. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. But yeah, no, I, I love that. I think it's awesome. And I, I do, I mean, the sizing is so all over the place. It's like insane. Um, yeah. So I totally relate to that. So thank you. Who are three people you follow on Instagram that inspire you? You, for oh, real. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks, girl. Just a little tender for one second. I think if we played a game about my business life, everyone I know has some sort of route back to Create and Cultivate. Oh, I love yeah. that. It's been very important for me um, and for many people, I'm sure. So you, um, I love following Stacey London because she's so holy herself and um, just very generous with supporting female businesses um, and Ama- Amanda DeCadene, who yes. I don't know how to say her last name, but, um, if that is how you say it, that's I'm how you glad. say it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I really, I love her too. Um, she spoke at the first creating cultivate that I went to in Los Angeles. Yeah. 
both amazing women. Stacy, I don't yeah. know personally, but I love what she, her, like she's been writing these amazing sort of op-ed articles about yeah. ageism and aging and and sort of yeah. what um, you know, sort of fitting into that status quo of being like married and perfect and blah blah blah. And I think they're yeah. so important and so great. And Amanda is a dear friend of mine and she is such a badass. Um, and I love both you, of those. You like know women. her personally? Yeah, you don't. I'm going to intro you guys like immediately if you No, I like I'll DM her like once a week and be like great post love it like, I'm <laughs> such a nerd. no she's the best uh she and again like I I think we met cold email style so I think you know and she's been such a supporter of Crane Cultivate in her new project girl gaze is is rad yeah. it's not even new anymore it's been around for a while but um she is she is genuine like good people and supporter of women yeah. which is um cool. mm-hmm. not always the case so yeah no she's amazing we'll definitely set up an intro email after this but cool. um no well thank you so much katie it's always such a pleasure and um so excited to see what mega babe is up to next yeah thank you so much and i just have one question for you yeah do you do you use any mega babe products yes i use you gave me i think like one of the first like thigh to the rescue uh or thigh rescue i literally use it all the time okay that is is good to know great thank you yes no you're the best and i I hope i'm on the list for the deodorant i mean look i'll follow up Ten thousand and one. I know ten thousand and one exactly (laughs) uh well thank you so much um and always a pleasure Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, let's do a quick check-in at CNC HQ with our marketing director and resident cat lady, the one, the only, Heather Records. Welcome, Heather. Hey, Jacqueline. I hear you're talking about resiliency today. And resiliency is defined as being able to recover quickly from difficulties. Sometimes that means learning how to say no and creating boundaries for yourself, which is definitely easier said than done in a small business atmosphere. Agreed. Boundaries are super important for your business and personal life, and they are something I am truly terrible at. I think we're both pretty bad at it. I'm pretty sure I have more photos of Jacqueline in my phone than I have of myself. Friendship, work, boundaries. What's a boundary? Right? On the Crane Cultivate blog, we have a great article that breaks down the art of saying no, because it truly is an art. It's a topic that has really resonated with our readers, so I wanted to bring it up to our listeners as well. The article gives you helpful vocabulary alternatives so you can quickly turn a tricky situation into a positive one. So like, no, you will not stop taking photos of me? (laughs) No, I will never stop taking photos of you. But seriously, people are so skittish around the word no, and it's totally understandable. My favorite part about the article is that it shows the power of words. For example, instead of saying, I can't, try saying, I don't. It turns a rejection into an affirmation. I don't skip exercises versus I can't skip my exercise. It's so much more powerful and it gives those around you a little less of a chance to push back. It's really genius. Affirm your lifestyle, everyone. But also, we need to apply this because we definitely always skip exercises for work. Um, we could definitely be better about our boundaries here. We need to take our own advice is what we're saying here. I always do skip exercises. Again, this isn't like a black and white situation. You have to be more flexible, especially as an entrepreneur in or in a small business setup. We're really bad at this, basically. But go to the blog, read the article. I'm sure it's amazing. Thank you, Heather. No problem. 
Be sure to check out the full article on createcultivate.com and follow along on Work Party on Instagram. Bye, guys. Be Career FOMO with LinkedIn. LinkedIn makes it easier than ever to find fresh opportunities and to meet professionals looking to hire people just like you. It's important to always keep your network active and constantly seek new opportunities and possibilities. We're proud to have partnered with LinkedIn for season one of Work Party because they're all about making game-changing career connections, and so are we. Now for our featured guest, I am so excited for today's episodes because I am talking to one of the funniest women in the biz who also had a breakout year, Phoebe Robinson. Phoebe is the co-host and creator of Two Dope Queens podcast and HBO special and the host of So Many White Guys, a podcast. She's authored two books, her first one, You Can't Touch My Hair, and her new book, which has the best title of all time, Everything's Trash, But It's Okay. Yes. Phoebe, so excited to welcome you to the show. Today, we are talking about resiliency and how it is a must-have for any woman in business and honestly for any woman in general these days. I want to talk about your new book, Everything's Trash, But That's Okay, which died when I read that title. It's amazing. Thank you. 2018 has been pretty trashy. What advice do you have for women who are just having a real shit year? Um, yeah, I think, um, what's been like tough about this year is that it seems like there's so much change happening that is not pushing things forward. And we're actually reverting back to bad policies and bad way of behaving, even though things like, you know, me too, and times up are trying to, you know, deconstruct the patriarchy a little bit. So I, I think what, um, what advice I have is just really, I, I think this is a really great time for women to, you know, lean on each other heavily um, and support each other and listen to each other and really and really try and fight each other's battles. I think in the past, you spe- and I write about this in Everything's Trash, but it's okay, about how, you know, I think feminism, while it has like a lot of great, great qualities about it, I think it is lacking in terms of its inclusiveness whether it's, you know, with women of color, queer women, trans women. Um, and so I think that the first step is to really, if you're really going to support women, then you really need to um, support all women and you need to listen to their struggles, even if their struggles are not something that would ever happen in your life. You need to take those into account. And then I also think what's been really exciting is I think a lot of women have been, while I think women have always been involved in stuff, I think what's been great is that it seems like women are being more vocal about their involvement in politics or in, you know, charitable activities or um, breaking glass ceilings and just, you know, pushing forward with like, okay, you're not going to let me in the, the room on this. I'll go create my own thing. And so I think that that is what in this year and probably next year, maybe 2020 as we're trying to, you know, figure out how sucky things are and how we can move past it. I think those are two key things. 
it's so true because the whole impetus behind work party was exactly that. Like, no, I'm no longer trying to get a seat at the table. I want to break the table, create my own damn table, figure it out my own way. And I think that's really starting to get traction. And like you said, there's really bad change happening, but the bad change is like in a good way, creating positive change as well. And we're seeing more momentum there, which is awesome. Um, Absolutely. So you've had quite a breakout year. I mean, really becoming a household name, But what people don't often see is the come up, the sort of on the way up struggles. What were some of the biggest bumps you overcame to get where you are today? Um, I I think, uh, you know, being in entertainment and especially when you start out in stand up, I've been doing stand up for 10 years. And, you know, I would say probably eight of those years, you're not really making any money from doing that. So it's a lot of you know, to pursue comedy or to pursue acting or, you know, pursue music, there's a lot of like, well, okay, I got to have a day job if I want to do this, or I'm going to just try and pursue this full time and really struggle financially. And so I think it's just probably the hardest part is, you know, living in a city like New York or for people who live in LA, it's really difficult to do that without money. Mm. And it requires you to just sort of if you want to make this a career, like you just really have to spend um, a lot of time just sort of like tinkering and creating things that maybe kind of work, don't work or work really well, but there's like not the audience there. So there's a lot of like experimenting that happens before, you know, someone like puts out an album or like Jessica and I got two dope queens on HBO. So I I think the trying to, grow as an artist when you don't have the money I think is really tough and I think rejection is certainly another aspect of it that's difficult and you know it gets easier the more you do it in this industry but it's still just kind of like you know it's still tough because you're like well I want this job I want to show off my skills I really believe in myself and if you know you just don't line up with what the vision of someone else has then that, that really can just kind of sting a little bit. But I think what I've been noticing with a lot of people and certainly with my own career, whether it's like YouTube or, you know, um, Instagram or SoundCloud, like people are really just sort of taking control of their careers in a way. And they're sort of curating their own content and they're really like developing their muscles and skills so that when they are ready to go to like an HBO or a Netflix or an Amazon, um, they really know what their voice is and they really not only know how to be a performer, they also know how to do the behind the scenes stuff, whether it's like editing, producing something, hustling, all those kind of things that take it from just like, this is what a thing I like to do. Like I love performing to recognize that this is show business and you also have to be business savvy and business minded and understand how the whole thing works from beginning to end. Yeah, and I love that. And I think we've been seeing more of these jumps being made from people who are content creators to the more like mainstream entertainment, which I think is awesome because obviously, like you said, they have these built-in skills. They also have a built-in audience. But then what comes with that is all the sort of business side of it that people might not know as well, but is so, so crucial. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about your career as a stand-up comedian. I mean, I think that in itself um, is, is such a tough gig, I imagine. So, I mean, it 
obviously requires a ton of resiliency. Do you think doing stand up for 10 plus years really shaped you and your persona and the ability to like face rejection or face hecklers or face anything that kind of comes with that? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you're outside of stand-up duos like the Lucas Brothers, um, you know, you're on stage by yourself. And, you know, every show, honestly, until you, like, get the material really solid and perfect, you're sort of workshopping it and figuring it out and seeing what jokes land and what jokes weren't don't land, like what the wording is, and, like, doing that in front of... Um, you know, an audience is like, you know, that's tough. But I think it sort of teaches you how to think on your feet. It sort of, you know, um, helps shape just like, it just gets you like stronger mentally and emotionally. And I think you learn how to be like a smart creator. I think on the other hand, because stand-up is so solo, it can make you sort of not be able to be adaptable and work with other people and write in other voices. But on the flip side, I think there is something to like really knowing and understanding yourself and knowing what your vision is and being able to execute that every single night, I think is really impressive. And so I think that stand up for anybody who wants to do comedy or wants to be a performer, I think stand up um, or improv or sketch are just good things to dabble in, even if you don't want to be like the next Wanda Sykes or Chris Rock. It's still good to like work that muscle of like, being able to be in front of other people and being funny on demand. I love it. When I first moved to LA, I'll just share this little tidbit. I didn't know a lot of people. I started my first company. I like didn't have a lot of friends and I took a second city class and I was obviously horrible, but it, it helped me so much with like business pitching and being able to read a room and like crack a joke when something's not working. And I think even if you like aren't in aren't going to ever be a comedian I do think just like you said being able to like learn that presence and like that kind of like what works what doesn't is it can kind of be applied to a lot of different things which I think is so rad um so you are a multi-hyphenate businesswoman obviously that you have multiple podcasts multiple books obviously the HBO special when building your career narrative did you have mentors or women that were sort of helping you on the way up um, I don't think I really had like any sort of direct mentors, um, who, you know, you would like check in with or stuff like that. But I definitely am a person who studies a lot and watches a lot of people's careers. And, you know, I will go to like stand up shows. I read a lot of books. I sort of like try and figure out how someone has done something and break it apart and break it down so that I can understand it. Um, so I think it's more like, you know, now now that I'm at the point where I'm like working on this book and blah, 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 I think it's been good that, you know, I have people like Amy and Yobi, who's a writer producer for Insecure or Michelle Buteau or Lana Glazer and like just this great network of women where we're all, you know, sort of doing different things at the moment, but we all like check in with each other and support each other and cheer each other on. And so I think that, has been really sort of the most beneficial thing because, you know, we've all dealt with sexism. We dealt with, you know, racism. We just dealt with like, you know, just trying to like just being underpaid or trying to get something off the ground and just realizing how hard it is to create something from scratch and get it on TV or get it in a movie. So I think that having that network of women that are by your side as you're coming, as, as I've been coming up, 
I guess kind of counts as a mentorship. Um, it certainly counts as like a emotional crutch, which I think has been great. And so I think that those are the kind of women that I've had throughout my career. And I can totally relate. I think for me, it's always been the women that were sort of colleagues versus mentors. But I, mm-hmm. I think that's super important as well. So yeah. obviously a lot of positive things happening, but along with success and fame and all these things come haters and people who don't like your work for whatever reason um, or hate on your success. How do you handle haters? Um, I think first off, I'm just kind of like, if you don't like my work, it is totally fine. I am, I'm just like, well, it's already been done, so I can't go back and undo it. Um, and then there are people who like want to offer like reasonable criticism. That's fine. I'm like, okay. But then there are just people who just want to be mean and spiteful. So I just tend to block them on social media and just keep it moving because it's just like, to engage in them it's just only going to suck you down to their level and you don't really want to do that um and I also think there are good things about criticism so I I think that sometimes people can sort of be defensive to it to a fault where they're like I don't want to hear anything unless someone's just telling me how great I am Mm. um but I think there 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 is value in someone if their intentions are good coming to you being like, this is cool, but have you looked at it this way? This is cool. However, you could do this better or do this differently. And I've definitely like, you know, I think we're having like so many white guys, my podcast or WNYC and really having it be a place where, you know, I was interviewing, for instance, like the trans community, like I just was not particularly well versed in it. And I'm, I don't want to say that I am now, but I'm learning and learning, but like, interviewing different people from the community, whether it's Janet Mock or um, Buck Angel, it just really opened me up to like, yes, you know, cis women have their issues. Yes, black women have things they have to deal with. But so do these other groups of people. So to keep that in mind and not get so focused on my own sort of struggles and not notice that. So I think that was like, by making sure I was expanding my mind and just like making sure I'm keeping the conversation going and talking to different people as opposed to just people who look and think like me and act the same way as I do. I think that is something where I'm like, yeah, that's a great note. And so I really enjoyed um, doing something like that. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, a lot of like the negative haters and troll trolls, I think they're also unhappy in their own lives. And that's why they do a lot of the behavior that they do. So it's like, once you know that, it's kind of like, I'm like, okay, well, they have a lot of stuff to deal with and they're just taking it out on me today. Right. Tomorrow it's going to be someone else. And so when you, I don't know if it's about having compassion or empathy, but when you just realize some of this has absolutely nothing to do with me, I think it just takes you out of the like, A, it takes you out of like, oh, I'm such a victim. Why are people picking on me? And B, it also just kind of reminds you, like, there are people who have some really intense problems that they're trying to work through, and um, and that's hard for them. And so you can just be like, okay, you go deal with that. I'm just going to block you because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be on the receiving end of it. But just understand that, like, all right, there's, there's obviously something else going on here that's not related to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 99.9%, that's 
the case for sure. And it, yeah. sometimes it's hard to like get in that mindset of like, this isn't about me because it's like so mean, but it's also like important to be like, you're exactly right. Like no one knows what anyone else is going through. And I think that's, that's so important. So, okay, let's talk about your new book. What can we expect with everything just trash, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, I just, um, was, you know, kind of being like, oh, wow, the election sort of did not turn out the way that I was hoping it to, uh, I was hoping it was going to. And, um, and, uh, I just was kind of like, yeah, things are feeling weird and kind of like bizarre right now. And I was just like, I think it would be great if we could all just kind of have a little bit of a laugh. And so with everything's trash, but it's okay. I just really wanted to be able to talk about Things like, you know, feminism and um, like being a workaholic or coming out of financial debt, just like all these things that are sort of like heavy and maybe, you know, stress people out when they have to like think about them or talk about them and just sort of like have fun and being like, hey, if I could get out of $60,000 worth of debt, then maybe that will make other people who have, you know, maybe bigger financial issues feel less alone because that Mm. that essay in particular for me I was like no one ever really talks about money in a real way at all and so you know I think a lot of people are hiding debt I think a lot of people who aren't in debt are pretending like they they aren't as financially comfortable because they feel bad about that so I think there's a lot of things that are going on and I was like I just really want to address that in a fun yet sort of kind of like honest way. And then, you know, I was able to balance those sorts of things with, you know, writing about like how I met Oprah or, you know, fun pop culture moments or how I started dating my current boyfriend. So I I think I wanted to have like a nice balance of like serious topics and fun topics. And I think that when people are done with the book, they will hopefully go, okay, all right, there are some things hopefully that I learned from this and okay, I'm not as alone as I thought I was. So that's hopefully is my takeaway. I love that. And I love your conversation about money. That's something that we stress a lot is like, especially for women, like I feel like there's definitely not a lot of conversations about money happening. Um, And if they are, it's definitely behind closed doors. And it's maybe like you said, sort of glossed over or not like real talk. Um, And I think especially with Instagram, like you're seeing all these people, like I always, I joke, but like, there's always someone in Tulum like living their best life and you're just like what (laughs) like why am I still in the office been like looking at a spreadsheet where did I go wrong but oh my gosh the (laughs) reality right it's like what are we doing wrong no but it's sort of this like illusion that needs to be shattered and like you said it's so much hard work to get anywhere and then you go to your Instagram and you're like wait but I'm doing all this like what what did I do wrong um well, that sounds amazing, and I'm so excited to read it. And follow-up question, how did yeah. you meet Oprah, and what was that like? Oh, yeah, so um, I – so the backstory is – LOL. So the backstory is when my first book came out, You Can't Touch My Hair, um, in 2016, like maybe the – yeah, I think the first week it was published, my lit agent, Robert, called me and said that – Oprah had my book and she's reading it. And I was like, how does she get my book? I mean, anyone can get my book is available in bookstores, but it's just like, why is Oprah reading my book? It just felt very sort of bizarre to me. And I was like, okay. And 
And so she she read it and she like reached out to me and like called me and I write about this in the book. But Amazing. she like called me and just told me how much she really liked the book and we had like a wonderful conversation. And so then um, fast forward to this year when she did um, a bunch of tapings for her Super Soul Sunday sessions at the Apollo Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked Jessica and I to open for her and we were like, of course we will. Like who says no to her? Um, and so we got to meet her at the show and she was just so funny and sweet and down to earth and gave, you know, great hugs and tons of wisdom. And so it was like a really cool, I just been so obsessed with her. My whole family's been so obsessed with her. And so, you know, it was really great meeting her and having her sort of touch my life for a, a, a quick second. Amazing. Um, great hugs. I can just imagine the type of hugs. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to wrap up with some sentence finishers. So Ooh, okay. get excited. Um, okay. On Monday morning at 7 a.m., you can find me. I'm sleeping because I don't wake up until 8 a.m. Perfect. <laughs> when I think about women supporting women, I think of. Yeah, we're going to take the fuck over. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <Cool. laughs> My guilty pleasure Instagram follow is. Oh, gosh. Let me, you know, I can I have my phone. Let me look on my Instagram. Jeez, this is. Oh, okay. Let me just be on. Well, you know, no, no, no I'm not going to say that because <laughs> those aren't guilty pleasure. I was going to say I follow like 12 different like YouTube fan accounts, but that's like not a guilty pleasure like I do that and I feel like that's what everyone should be doing um <laughs> I'm like what's wrong with you guys for not following all 12 of these there's way more um I would say probably I do follow Khloe Kardashian mm. love it I know same I know Some- yeah. someone whose career I admire is Oh, gosh, there's so many people. There's a lot. Um, Oprah, Bono, Danielle Brooks. Um, um, I really love LeBron James, especially with him opening this school. Like, that just took him to another level. Um, Yeah, those are probably, like, my top tippy top. Oh, I also love, like, Roxanne Gay. I think she's so talented. And get so much done. And I, I feel like a lazy person. Um, and so I just am very much like, you're you're really cool. She's I love, that's such an eclectic, like musicians, athletes, writers. I love it. Um, oh, thanks. Just when I think things can't get worse, I. Oh, God. Just when I think things can't get worse. What's like the last embarrassing thing that I've done? <laughs> I don't want to ask my boyfriend, but he's on a conference call right now, too. Um, oh, can I? <laughs> okay, so I will say this. This is fine. I'm sure I'm not the only person who's done this. But I recently, he and I had sex. And I, like, farted during sex. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, look, it happens. That's the... Yeah. <laughs> it could get worse. You know what I mean? After that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, and final question. He's probably in the other room like, what are you talking about in there? Um, I'm resilient because... Um, I'm resilient because I have been told no a lot and probably will continue to be told no a lot going forward. 
and I haven't quit yet and I haven't let it diminish me. And even if it causes me to doubt myself, I turn that doubt into how can I make myself stronger? How can I build my skill set? Amazing. Well, Phoebe, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. And we will have more details on where you can pick up her new book, Everything is Trash, but it's okay. Thanks, Phoebe. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Okay, awesome. Bye. Okay, bye. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur the ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on. <laughs>